Let me tell you about American financing. No judgment here. If you haven't made the phone call yet, uh, you know, maybe you're, I, I don't know, maybe you're just really, really busy. But make the phone call, please, to American financing. American financing will help you um, save a ton of money from hundreds of dollars, maybe even over $1,000 every month, especially if, you're, if your mortgage is over 3%. Really, over 2%, you might, you might want to look into it, but 3%, 4%, you're going to save a lot of money, especially if you roll your high-interest credit card debt into your mortgage. Then you have one low monthly payment. You can pay that debt off, get out of the, what are you paying, 14 15 18% interest? Get a low interest loan now at American Financing. Rock solid advice from American Financing now at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. All right. The program begins in just a second. Stand by. Dana. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. We're glad you're here. There's a lot to talk about. The crisis at the border, which is definitely not a crisis, until you hear the numbers. We have the official numbers now uh, from an inside source. We're gonna we're gonna share those with you. A little shocking coming up in just a second. Also, the oppression of people just continues. Oh my gosh, the the oppression, especially. New York Times reporters get. Oh my gosh, sometimes sometimes people say bad things about them on Twitter. Oh. Why would you do that? These great reporters out there doing essential work. You know, they're criticizing everybody and everything that disagrees with them. But don't disagree with them and call them out on it on Twitter. Oh, it makes me sad. The oppression continues. We begin in 60 seconds. All right. Back program. Yeah, I want to tell you about my dog Uno. He is he's the best. He has been part of the family now <clears throat> for about 8 years and we care about him, we love him. Uh and I am delighted that I no longer have to stand motionless uh there by his bowl while he casually decides whether or not he's going to eat that day, you know? And did I move? Why are you moving? I was interested in my food, then you moved. Oh my gosh. Started feeding him rough greens, and when I gave him rough greens, all of a sudden, everything changed for Uno. Get a free bag of rough greens right now just for your dog to try it out. If your dog loves it as much as my dog does, you are set. Um, he is he's He races to his bowl now. He almost knocks people over. When he hears the bag of rough greens coming, his tail just starts wagging. That's how much he loves it but let me tell you because it has probiotics and all of the stuff that you're supposed to have you know you are supposed to have your dog's supposed to have it too all the really great stuff that they're missing especially in kibble food you give it to them 
on top of their current food, whatever you're feeding them, put it on top. They'll love it, and you will see a difference. Right now, just see if your dog will eat it. Get a free bag of Rough Greens just to try out. Make sure your dog loves it as much as Uno does. All you pay for is shipping. It's free. Just pay for shipping. Go to roughgreens.com slash Beck. That's roughgreens.com slash Beck. Or call 833-GLEN-33. 833-GLEN-33. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Now, I don't want to say anything bad at all about the president. I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about, you know, anybody involved with things that I don't agree with. In fact, I probably shouldn't say that I don't agree with them because that might, you know, be harassment. They might feel bad if I say those things. Uh, But let me just give you the numbers of what is happening on our border. According to sources... HHS is expected to reach its shelter capacity later this month, and the agency is planning to change its coronavirus protocols to make room for an additional 2,000 kids. In January, our Border Patrol caught 7,300 unaccompanied minors crossing the border illegally. That's the highest number of arrests in the month of January in at least a decade and up from the number in December of 4,500. Now, they have reduced the number of available beds for unaccompanied children by 40% to uh, prevent the spread of COVID-19. It now has about 7,700 available beds, including those at emergency facilities. And at the end of February, HHS had 7,100 children in custody. On February 23rd alone, more than 400 migrant kids were referred to the HHS shelter. For contrast, the 30-day referral average at the peak of the 2019 crisis was under 300, 294. Based on information on the ground, the uh, Border Patrol is seeing the average daily flow Soar to more than 3,500 people a day. That's up from 2,000 in January. Border Patrol's 21-day average has risen to nearly 3,000 every single day. We don't have the February numbers yet, but sources tell this program that February could see 100,000 people coming across our border in one month. They have uh, already encountered 300,000 illegal migrants since October. The numbers are rising. This does not include the February numbers. For context, in the first four months of fiscal year 2020, the Border Patrol encountered 164,000. Let me say that again. The first four months of fiscal year in 2020, 164,932. We already have 300,000 illegal immigrants in the same time period, and we don't have February's numbers quite yet. I don't know. I think we might have a problem here. We have a problem when Mexico steps to the plate 
and says, hey, guys, you're, you're causing all kinds of problem here with, with, your, with your border policies. Remember how horrible it was? Oh, my gosh. Mexico was so upset with us. Oh, no, wait. They were cooperating because they had a problem on their southern border. Everybody was trying to get through Mexico to come to the United States, and they were tearing down the fences that they have on their southern border. And uh, things were getting better and better. And now, because detentions are, are increasing, and we have now cut off the, the, uh, the, uh, the help we were giving Central America to stop the flow into the United States, they see now Biden as a migrant president, uh, president and they're, they feel like they're going to reach the United States and they're going to get in. The problem is, according to Mexico, quote, we need to work together to regulate the flow because business can't be tackled from one day to the next. Apparently, based on in testimonies and intelligence gathering, Gangs are diversifying methods of smuggling and winning clients as they eye U.S. measures that will incentivize migration. The Mexicans are now worried about encouraging migration that will uh, support gangs and violence as those gangs streamline the legalization process and the United States suspends the Trump era accords. One Mexican official familiar with migration development spoke on the condition of anonymity, said organized crime began changing its modus operandi from the day Biden took office. They now say that the mobs and the gangs have unprecedented levels of sophistication. Migrants, he continues, have become a commodity, arguing that they're now as valuable as drugs for gangs. Higher concentrations of migrants in border areas have um, encouraged gangs to recruit them as drug mules and to kidnap others for money. Both Mexican and U.S. policy should be more clear cut as to not spur illegal immigration, the Mexican official told Reuters. Uh, to avoid detection, migrants now often travel in small groups instead of caravans and increasingly follow more dangerous, less well-trotted routes. Communicating via social media, such as Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and YouTube, smugglers update migrants on impending checkpoints, when freight trains that they can jump on pass, and where to stay and how to navigate immigration laws. Gee, they're organizing on Facebook? and YouTube, and Instagram, and WhatsApp? Hmm. Maybe somebody should look into the legal, acti- elect, uh, legal activity that is being allowed to organize on those applications. To ease their passage, smugglers advise Central American clients to register complaints with authorities saying they've been victims of extortion or for young men that they face death threats from street gangs. Migrants are being told to bring children along to make it easier. Mexican intelligence shows smugglers' transit costs while, uh, varied uh, wildly in the last few months. One assessment said an unaccompanied Central American miner could secure passage to the U.S. border for about $3,200. If you're from Africa, the rate is 20000 If you are Asian, you will pay much more than that. 
One evaluation set out concerns that there could be significant influx in migrants from outside the region, the Caribbean, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. Hmm. Even as Mexicans hail Biden's cancellation of work on Trump's border wall, some officials say in Mexico that it's time Mexico returns to an idea the government raised in 2019, improving the infrastructure along its own southern border with Guatemala. Mexico spends more on every new wave of migrants than it would cost. We have to do this now. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has very little to say about it. Well, Joe Biden has very little. Is he doing a press conference tonight, Stu? Uh, absolutely not, Glenn. Uh, that would be something uh, he is not very interested in doing. In fact, he's just set a record, a record for the new administration. Congratulations to the Biden administration. The longest time to do a press conference in a century. Good job, Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the he long- is. He's smoking it. Now, he's at, I think, 50 days, something like that now. Uh, he The previous record was 33 days, uh, uh, which was uh, George... W or George H.W. I can't remember one of the Bushes. Anyway, so sure. they're, they're saying he may and I want you to get excited about this. He may be able to get a press conference done by the end of the month. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's only another 20 days. Wow. So I, he might be able to put that together. I thought he was taking questions tonight. He's, He's having his first primetime. I know, but yeah, primetime address. I thought he was supposed to take questions after that. Now, he may take a question or two. I don't know. I will say you know, the, the standard here, though, is formal press conference, which every president does almost immediately after they get started to set the agenda and talk about the things they want to talk about. That's the last thing joe biden wants to do he does not want anyone to be aware of what he's doing and of course he doesn't also want to be in front of people Uh where he might look like his faculties are failing him Uh so let me let me play this this is california representative mark garcia uh he has been twice elected in the 25th district of north los angeles he just did an interview on uh, larry o'connor's examining politics podcast i want you to hear what this congressman, who is known to be gentle, quiet, not a flamethrower, here's what he said on that podcast. Listen. And Congressman, to, to the question as to whether President Biden is lying or he just doesn't quite understand, yesterday he was uh, attending a ceremony of uh, uh, two women being promoted, uh, one in the Air Force, one in the Army, to uh, four-star general status. A great moment, actually, for our United States military and certainly for those two uh, great women. Absolutely. And uh, he seemed to lose his train of thought with regard to the name of the secretary of defense and for that matter the title of the secretary of defense and also the name of the department of defense listen just want to thank you both and i want to thank the the the, uh former general i keep calling him general but my my uh the guy who runs that outfit over there Uh, i want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we just talked about. Are, are you concerned about this? Are, are there conversations going on in Congress right now as every day we seem to see another incident like this? Yeah, I've, I've been concerned about this since day one, especially in this case. We brought the general in uh, that he's talking about uh, on a waiver because he had been in active duty in, for less than, you know, less than 10 years since he assumed his post of SECDEF. Uh, so this is very concerning now that he's all of a sudden forgetting not only uh, the circumstances, but the human being that he's appointed. 
this, to me, in my opinion, and I mean this uh, as gracefully and tactfully as I can, I, I think we are seeing nationally one of the most grievous examples of elderly abuse in our nation. Uh, this president is not fit for office. Uh, I, I don't really believe he understands what he's doing and he's got a political machine behind him that's propping him up. And, and it's, and it scares the hell out of people like me who value our nat- national security and really value making sure that we're doing the right thing for our country. Uh, and we're being led right now by an individual who doesn't know the name of his own staff members, uh, in public. And look, we all make mistakes some once in a while. We all have gaps, public speaking gaps. Uh, this is well beyond this. Uh, and frankly, it's sad to watch. It's dangerous, in my opinion, to our nation, uh, and we do deserve better. All right, let me tell you about real estate agents I trust. Uh, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now. How many times a day have you said that? I know when I first started going through the process of buying and selling a house, uh, there was a ton to know, and I was young and stupid. And then I sold uh, my next house. I bought it, and then I sold it, and, uh, man, I was young and stupid. Then it got to the point to where I was just old and stupid because I didn't know how to hire a real estate agent. I mean, how do you do it? You, you, you look at the bus boards, and you're like, that real estate agent looks pretty. That real estate agent looks sincere. You really have to know something about your real estate agent. Do they have the right strategy? Do they have the right advertising campaign? Do they have people coming to their website ready to buy a house all the time so they don't have to blow up balloons and have a little open house for you? Real estate agents I trust. The name says it all. It's my company that is a free service to you. You will match you with the best person in the area, the person that we feel has the best track record of sales and again, customer satisfaction that know how to get the job done. Real estate agents. I trust dot com. Find your uh, find your real estate agent, your hero at real estate agents. I trust dot com. Ten seconds. Station ID. Last night, we did a great show uh, on our Wednesday night special. It's available. If you're not a subscriber, you can find it on our YouTube page, uh, Blaze TV YouTube page. It's my Wednesday night special, and it was on the the great reset of the American story. And there is a concerted effort to change everything. I mean, you know, I I think of that phrase that... um, that uh, Michelle Obama said over and over and over again. It is it's now here. Now they set this transformation into motion, but that transformation is now here. The most transformative president is going to be Joe Biden, historically speaking, even in just the first 100 days. And he's not done yet. And she said, we have to change our history. We have to change our language. We have to change the way we speak to one another. All of that has been changed. Listen. And Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. Uh, We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place. So David Flynn, he's a high school football coach in Massachusetts. And he's been the school district's, you know, coach for nearly a decade. And he was just fired 
because he raised concerns about the use of critical race theory in his seventh grade daughter's curriculum. Now he's suing them. The superintendent is being sued, the high school principal uh, and the high school athletic director for violating his First Amendment rights to speak out. This is in the first the First Amendment. It's not a right just of free speech. It's a right to redress and demand answers from your government. This is a government school. They fired him for saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing with critical race? He went in his his seventh grade daughter's history uh, teacher. He went in and was talking to him or her. And uh, and then he asked for a meeting with with the, the school committee challenging the world geography and ancient history one curriculum. It was changed without notification or review by the parents. And he complained and his complaint included coursework on politics, race, gender, equality, diversity. And he said they're not suitable for 12 to 13 year olds. Um, in the in the teaching, the class material said that all police officers are risks to black people and all black males are risks to white people. The lawsuit describes one of the daughter's assignments. Uh, he, she was asked to uh, consider various risk factors and mitigating factors that two people, one identified as white and the other identified as black, might use to assess each other on a city street. Included among the various factors were skin color, gender, race, age, physical appearance, and attire. Black, aggressive body language, in the wrong neighborhood were among the risk factors purportedly assessed by the person identified as white. White and police officer were among the risk factors purportedly assessed by the person identified as black. We are teaching each other to hate. They are indoctrinating our children to hate. There is there is no clearer clarion call for you to get involved than this. I want you to go to glenbeck.com and there's all kinds of resources of groups that you can join, how you can get involved in your local school board, but you must stand up. And if the teachers don't stand with you, I don't care how much you love that teacher, how kind that teacher, but if that teacher won't stand up against this kind of stuff, they're part of the problem. And you need to speak up against them as well. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm going to show you how to do that here in just a second. First, uh, let me tell you about Relief Factor. If you are living with pain, you're living with constant and severe pain. I know it sucks the life right out of you. I can tell you I felt that for a very long years. I wasn't myself. Pain is usually caused by inflammation in our joints, and I am here to tell you that it'll hit you like a ton of bricks and turn everything you do throughout your day into a difficult chore. There is no light at the end of the tunnel after a while. Well, let me give you some light. It's called Relief Factor. Relief Factor. When I started taking it, it took me about three weeks before I started to see a difference. And I stopped taking it because I thought, ah, it's just my, it's just my mind. I'm just, I'm thinking there's a different, oh no, there was a huge difference. 
And then the longer I took it, the more and more all of that pain went away. 70% of the people who try Relief Factor go on to buy more. So try the three-week quick start trial pack for $19.95. You're going to know if it works within three weeks. Try relieffactor.com, 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. And don't forget to sign up to Blaze TV. It's blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code being Glenn. That'll get you 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Coming up in an hour from now, 60 minutes, I'm going to introduce you to a couple from San Francisco. I don't know. We didn't really ask, but seeing, you know, their social media, they seem pretty liberal. Uh, But they were really horrified by what the school board in San Francisco was doing and not doing. Not reopening schools, but instead trying to rename all of the schools. They decided that they were going to go to a school board meeting and listen in. And they did. And what they heard, they were horrified by. I'm going to let them tell the story. But they organized a little group of uh, people who said, we want the schools open and we want this nonsense to stop. They're liberals. They even saw that things were out of control. You don't have to be. I mean, you just because you're a liberal doesn't mean you have, you know, checked your your brain at the Marxist, uh, you know, coat closet. They have organized and they have actually changed the course of their school board uh, there in San Francisco. We're going to talk to them and I think you're going to find them to be um, uh, really inspiring because that's what we all have to do. We all have to get involved we don't all agree on on the same things but there are some poisons that are being taught in our school and our school board usually doesn't reflect the community you know small people with a a big agenda that they're going to impose and the stories we're hearing from school boards uh it's uh, quite amazing how people are being treated when they dare question their school board or their schools i just told you a story about a football coach that is uh it lost his job he turned their whole uh, their whole athletic department around over a 10-year period he questioned the critical race theories and some of the other theories that are being taught to his 12-year-old girl 12-year-old daughter what happens They fire him. Other school boards are doubling down as well. School districts and teachers are doubling down. This is your chance to change something. You can do it. You're not alone. There are people that might disagree with you on who to vote for. There are people that might disagree with you uh, on, you know, a lot of politics. But there's a lot of agreement on this. I want to tell you that our education, and I showed this to you last night uh, on our Wednesday night broadcast, and I told you if you hadn't heard at least a quarter of the stories that I told, at least a quarter, and that's really being uh, uh, generous. If you haven't heard at least a quarter of the stories I told last night, you don't know American history. And if you don't know American history, 
I guarantee you, your kids are way off the rails. My kids get off the rails. If I'm not policing it, they're off the rails. Now, I want to show you what can be done if you know how to look for original sources. And also, if you, if you know the tricks of the trade. History was uh, being changed by the progressives really beginning in the 1920s. That's when a real concerted effort was put out to change history. And what they did is they would print things with opinions and they wouldn't footnote. Now, back in the 1920s, footnotes were not as big of a deal, but they wouldn't footnote. We had gone from original sources and eyewitnesses to things, to people's opinions, scholars' opinions. And then they just started quoting each other as if that backed it up. But each book would not have the footnotes. They were quoting someone else. And then that person was quoting someone else. So let me give you an example of this. Uh, this came from uh, Nick Geyer. He's a fellow minister uh, in uh, the conservative Presbyterian church. Uh, and he had a problem with Peter Lilback's uh, book, Sacred Fire. And he says a large number of us are embarrassed by his poor historical methodology. What Peter Lilback did in Sacred Fire was just take all of the writings of George Washington and compile them. Just take all of the things that he ever said, he ever uttered, and compile them. So I don't know exactly how you get that wrong. Seems like a pretty good approach, I yeah. would think. Yeah, it does. Uh, thanks to Glenn Beck's fawning promotion, an obscure self-published book on George Washington's religion has become a bestseller on Amazon.com. Now, this has happened a long time ago. Beck enthused, it discredits all of the scholars. It's the best book on faith and the founding I've ever read. But did Beck actually read this huge tome? Yeah, I know. I don't. You can't read, can I you? Can't I mean, read, you're still no. working on that, but you'll get there. It's almost 1,200 pages. Mm. I know. I know. The only 1,200 page book that I've ever read was this one and uh, Les Miserables. And Les Miserables was worse. Is that 1,200 pages? 1,200 really? pages, oh, yeah. Uh, it was 1,200 pages. This, and that was harder because it was all story of 1,200 pages. This was, as he points out, 500 pages of note end notes and footnotes so i didn't read the 500 pages of footnotes uh you know as a page turner yes it is lilback really has to stretch the evidence and indulge in a lot of speculation to make washington an orthodox trinitarian christian here's the essence of his argument Angelicans are uh, Orthodox Christians. Washington was an uh, Angelican. Therefore, Washington was an Orthodox Christian. No, that's not his argument. Thomas Jefferson rejected the divinity of Christ and the Trinity, but he was a lifelong member of the Anglican Church. This fact leads us to believe that Lilbach's major premise is obviously false. Well, first of all, uh, no, he did not reject uh, Christ. Uh, he's the author of of the book uh the teachings of jesus of nazareth uh it's a very important book and one that is twisted by scholars but it wasn't twisted in in uh in jefferson's time everybody knew exactly what it was 
He goes on, Washington's diaries show how frequently he dishonored the Sabbath. We learn in one entry that he could have collected his rents on Sundays, but he declined because the people living on his land were apparently very religious. This is the real honest George. The weakest arguments in the book are the ones devoted to proving Washington believed in a deity of Christ and the Trinity. In all of his voluminous... in all of his huge writing, <laughs> huge collections of writing. Again, no, you can read, but you can't speak. Yeah, I know. Jeez. Uh, once, uh, only once does he speak of Jesus. This single incident, a speech to the Delaware Indians, was most likely written by an aide more orthodox than he. So, in other words, this aide hmm. took the most respected man to ever live, in their opinion, at that time, something, somebody who was so honorable and changed his words because they thought it was a little more important. The aide did that. Mm-hmm. With so little evidence to work with, Lilback is forced to make some... So basically, say this is like the Ron Burgundy of uh, uh, of Founding Fathers, who's just like reading the yeah. prompter. Yeah. Like, these aren't words I mean. They're Yes, they're different than my actual beliefs, but some aide altered them, so therefore I'm going to read them. That's the premise here? Yes. Got it. So now listen to what he says. Scholars at Mount Vernon, scholars at Mount Vernon state Washington's diary show no church attendance by anyone in the family after they returned to Mount Vernon at the end of his presidency. In stark contrast to Washington, Jefferson, after his retirement, rode all the way to Charlottesville to church. In a recent biography of Washington, Joseph J. Ellis, in a recent biography of Washington, Joseph J. Ellis describes the scene at Washington's death. There were no ministers in the room, no prayers uttered, no Christian rituals offered the solace of everlasting life. Benjamin Rush, who is a a founding father, reported to Thomas Jefferson upon leaving Washington, uh, upon leaving office, Washington met with a group of clergy who submitted a number of questions for him to answer. Since he had never made any public affirmation of Christianity, one of the questions was whether or not he was a Christian. Washington very kindly answered all of the questions except for that one. And then historian Paul Bowler concludes, if Washington was a Christian, he was surely a Protestant of the most liberal persuasion. Okay, so who does he quote? He quotes Benjamin Rush saying that George Washington didn't answer that question. But you have to speculate what the answer was. Everything else he quotes, he quotes diaries in one place. And then he quotes, what, five different modern historians. So let me answer this. George Washington has some hundred volumes of published writings, his own writings. Over the past 250 years, several hundred biographies have been written about him. Yet to emphasize his point, Geyer chooses to cite an anonymous review of Lilback's book from an unnamed modern pastor. Since Geyer seems to be interested in the opinion of pastors, perhaps He should consider what numerous pastors who personally knew Washington wrote about his faith. Again, I don't have to go to modern scholars. What I do is I look to the people who knew him. Virginia pastor John Leland was not only familiar with George Washington, but he also worked closely with James Madison and Thomas Jefferson on religious liberty issues. He knew him. He penned a 56 stanza poem about George Washington titled Washington and Christ, praising the character of the two. 
Reverend Henry Mullenberg, the father of one of Washington's generals, also the father of the Speaker of the House when Washington was president, declared of Washington that he respects God's word, believes in the atonement through Christ, and bears himself in humility and gentleness. Now, you got all those scholars, modern day scholars, but I just listed just two people who knew the man. He was also active in several neighboring churches in his life uh, lifetime. Lee Massey, a church leader or pastor of the Pohick Church, where Washington served on the board, testified at the time, I never knew such a constant attendant on church as Washington. He greatly assisted me in my pulpit labors. Reverend Uzal Ogden, rector of the Trinity Church, where Washington frequently worshipped, affirmed his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was unshaken, and he was careful to venerate the precepts and public institutions that holy and divine religion he professed. So it wasn't just pastors. I mean, I know you've got, you know, some scholars from today But John Marshall, the chief justice of the Supreme Court, who had been a military aide to Washington during the revolution, avowed that Washington, quote, was a sincere believer in the Christian faith and a truly devout man. Jeremiah Smith, a soldier in the revolution who served in Congress for six years during Washington's presidency, asserted that Washington had all the genuine mildest of Christianity with all its force. He was neither ostentatious nor ashamed of his Christian profession. And then there was the testimony of Washington's own family members, two of Washington's grandchildren, Nellie Park uh, Custis and George Washington Park Custis. They were adopted into the Washington household after the death of their father. They spent nearly two decades with George and Martha in Mount Vernon. The grandson testified on Sundays, unless the weather was uncommonly severe, the president and Mrs. Washington attended divine service at Christ Church. And in the evening, the president read to Mrs. Washington in her chamber a sermon or some portion of the sacred writings. The granddaughter personally witnessed Washington's religious practices, both private and public. When the Reverend Gerald Sparks, president of Harvard and the editor of the first published edition of the writings of George Washington, asked Nellie about Washington's faith, she said, I should have thought it was the greatest heresy to doubt his firm belief in Christianity. His life, his writings prove that he was a Christian. Is it necessary that one should certify General Washington avowed himself to be a true believer in Christianity? as well may question his patriotism. According to Nellie, one might might as well question Washington's patriotism as his Christianity. And no one seriously questions his patriotism. If you're really truly interested in historic figures, stop going to the scholars and start looking at what people who knew that person said of that person. Those documents are available. <laughs> Our sponsor this half hour is Timeshare Termination Team. Okay, so maybe you made a mistake. There is no better time to get out of that timeshare than today. Maybe you didn't make a mistake, but you haven't been able to use it. You haven't been able to get in when you wanted to get in. You haven't been able to use it. You've been downgraded to something else as if that's okay. Well, right now, if you want to terminate your timeshare, you can do it legally, and it's 20% off when you use my name and tell them I sent you. I want you to find out all about it. Go online to timeshareterminationteam.com. That's timeshareterminationteam.com. 
You'll have the peace of mind with Timeshare Termination Team's 100% money-back exit guarantee. You need to stop paying for things that you're not using or things that are just sinking you. It's TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. Go there now. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're glad you're uh, listening. We're glad you're here. Uh, last night on our uh, television show, it, it was um, quite eye-opening to see how the left is has planned this out. We took the 1776 project uh, and the committee that or commission that uh, Donald Trump uh, put together before Biden even arrived at the White House. It was removed from the website. And it was one of the first uh, uh, presidential directives that he signed to demolish the 1776 project. He said it was hateful and uh, divisive and full of inaccuracies. I've read it. I don't know where those inaccuracies are, and I certainly don't find anything divisive in it. But they have something else that over 300 scholars have worked on and 10 of them are republicans so it's very very bipartisan and it's the new curriculum and it's a little terrifying we talked about it last night and show you what to do you can find that at uh, youtube on the blaze youtube channel it's my wednesday night special also if you're a blaze subscriber it's there now this is the glenn Beck program